Hi everyone, it is Paola Diana and this is Unleash the Game Changers. Today our guest is in Rome and this is part of our special Zoom series during the lockdown. Our guest is the former chief executive of Yahoo, ITV and Virgin Radio, none others than True Hazlitt. Thank you, Fru, for being here with us today. You are totally a game changer because uh, you had the courage to change completely your life and your lifestyle. You went to Rome for a few days of vacation and you fell in love with the city. Can you tell us more about this uh, huge change in your life? I probably didn't tell you the whole truth when we first met in that glorious cafe in Rome. Uh, but yeah, I've done 30 years i obviously started very young and <laughs> uh, in uh, media and technology companies in the uk and the us and um oh my god i loved it and it was such a privilege you know amazing companies famous companies working with wonderful people and lots of young people actually and it's one of the things that makes me the most happy my husband always says Bruce's never happier than when she's trying to motivate young people even if they don't want to be motivated <laughs> And, you know, I have a tendency to overdo it sometimes, you know, <laughs> and not recognize. I have enormous stamina, enormous stamina. When people describe me, they usually say, oh, she's so energetic, which is true. But, of course, it makes even more pressure to be energetic, <laughs> right? And uh, so, and also because I have this sort of really silly thing uh, about um, illness is weakness, right so if you're ill you just take a packet of industrial strength neurofen plus or something and go to work right and uh, my father used to say that he used to say you know i've never had a sick day off in my life but he's dead now <laughs> quite young actually so there you go and um so anyway i must have been getting unwell but not recognizing it um and um in truth, I'm already telling you a secret. I started blacking out. Um, the first time, obviously, everyone rushed me to hospital and it was all a drama, but they couldn't find anything wrong with me, which was un unfortunate for me, really, because it meant that it gave me permission to carry on. <laughs> and so I did. And uh, it happened often, but usually uh, no one saw and I just hid it. So, uh, and then one day I'd rather on senses uh, often in your office at home. Yes, yeah, usually after I'd done something major. So it was good. I mean, you know, because usually if I'd given a big speech or I'd had a big meeting or I'd had a big day or I'd been to a dinner when I got home, when I wound down. And uh, luckily, but then unfortunately, of course, it never stays like that. Um, and I woke up on the floor of the ITV boardroom, not my finest hour. Uh, and uh, with all these men, who I love and adore, by the way, uh, in their grey suits, looking horrified. <laughs> right? And um, anyway, it was at that point that I realised that maybe... I should probably make a little change. So uh, uh, basically I hit a wall, literally and metaphorically. So I, um, we agreed that I would take a sabbatical and actually ITV were amazing. I mean, absolutely amazing. And they said, you can take a sabbatical, you can do what you like, you know, want to, you know whatever you want to do, you do it. 
So my husband, who was terrified, said, let's go and live in the country. And, uh, but I'm much more terrified of living in the country than I am of dying. Uh, because I think probably that I would, if I lived in the country, I would die. <laughs> I would have to talk to my neighbours and things. Oh my God, it would be ghastly. And we'd all sort of, you know, discuss how long it would take us to get back to London. You know how people do that? People go, oh, it's only 55 minutes door to door. You know, like when? Christmas Eve? It's never 55 minutes door to door. It's normally four hours and horrible traffic with screaming children and things. Um, so anyway, so I said, no not the country. And he said, cleverly, being my husband, what about another country? And I was like, oh, but not in the country of another country. And he was like, no, not Tuscany, where we go for holidays, uh, a city. I said, oh, well, I did work in Milano once for a while when I was at Yahoo, maybe we could look at that. And uh, I have a passion for classics, so uh, Rome. Of course, all of our Italian friends, probably including you, you, if I'd known you, would have said, you cannot possibly go to Rome. It's in Africa. Do not go to Rome. I love Rome. I love Rome. <laughs> I, I well, you do. <laughs> no, you do, because you're from there. But you know what it's like, don't you? In Milan, they go, they look at you as if you've crawled out from a horrible stone when you say that you live in Rome. And I'm like, but it's the, world, it's the world's most beautiful city. And they're like, ah, it's disgusting. Um, but anyway, we went to look at Milan. I wasn't well, obviously, so we did this very quickly. We looked at Milan in one day and we looked in Rome in one day. One second, Prue, can I ask you, which was the diagnosis from the doctors? What, what did they tell you you had? It was stress? Uh, they said that I had a form of, they, they, had a, uh, uh, they said that I'd created a brain pattern, very unusual, extreme anxiety with a physiological response, uh, which is kind of amazing. It still amazes me now that my brain, because my body wouldn't stop, just shut me down like a computer. It's quite unusual, but it does happen. Interesting. And that. No, <laughs> I haven't either. But it's because most people don't push themselves <laughs> as hard as I do. How many hours per day were you working at ITV? Well, I think it was a lot. It was over a long period of time. I mean, I was working, I was working all day and then going to dinners and because I kind of like doing speeches and I do, I'm really, I want to be an actress and I'm still waiting to be spotted. So I do after dinner speeches outside of work as well and all that shit. I probably was doing, you know, 15, 16 hours a day. But most importantly, the way I work is, you know, whenever I arrive anywhere, I always go, let's get rid of all the offices. You know, I hate all offices. And so I never had an office, and, but I had thousands of people. So whenever I walked into these huge open plan places, I was always on show, which of course yeah. I kind of love. But it, it means you can't really have a bad day because if I walk into the office and go, mm. Then everyone goes, oh, what's the matter with fruit? What's happening? You know, blah, blah, blah. And so I, uh, and I had this very open door policy, obviously, because I didn't have a door. 
And, um, you know, some of the, some days I did, I, I used to want to go, please don't come near my desk. Please don't come near my desk. I'm going to scream because I have to do something. But I always had to go, hi, tell me. And um, so, and I've done that for years, right? So, so, um, uh, and, and also when I had the children, uh, the, the, the doctors felt that that may have been it. I had my first daughter and I went back, I was working for Yahoo and everyone was only about, the average age was about 21 and no one had ever had a child. So, uh, you know, I had um, 11 weeks maternity leave and, and then it went down to 50 pounds a week. And so I went and I used the first two before she came. So I went back to work after nine weeks, you see. Uh, and uh, I was a single mother then too. So I, I you know, maybe it was that. Then I had the twins a couple of years later and they were premature and it was a very dangerous birth and we all nearly popped our clogs during the birth. And, uh, uh, and, and then I went back to work <laughs> within, uh, it, I went back to work, I was in hospital for two months and then I went back to work after three months, but I changed jobs. So I went back to a new job. Probably I needed to take more time to get my body back in shape after nearly popping my clogs. But I didn't. I went and I did uh, the uh, chief executive of Virgin, which was wonderful and I loved it. And we had a brilliant time. But probably my body had taken a beating and I maybe ought to have slowed down. Um, so I think it was a combination of things. And over time and over time and over time, and all uh, uh, and and for the first three years, I was a single mother as well. So you know, it's just doing all of those things, isn't it? Uh, well, and you just I know I'm a single mom as well. I, I know absolutely what you're saying because you have. Yes, I know. That's why we love each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have. So I'm not a single mother. Yeah, but you have to ask me that. I'm not a single mother. You will ask me that, but I'm not a single mother now. But I we can come to that husband who is supporting you so difference having someone close to you and really supporting you and helping you and also willing to move cities and country uh, because of your health you know conditions so it, this is pure love absolutely but you know but, but it is but this is the story that i probably didn't tell you when i was about 35 you know i just staggered out of yet another disastrous relationship sobbing you know <laughs> I was always staggering out of these desperate relationships. I don't know why, but they always went horribly wrong. No, we always and all my mistakes. <laughs> always the same. I'd always fall into the same black hole, ridiculous. And um, my friends would despair, you know, and they were all perfectly married and everything was perfect. And um, it was really annoying. And some of them had even been married twice, you know, and it was really annoying. And um, so I, uh, so when I was about 35, I was talking to my best mate. I have an army of really good girlfriends, which has always saved me. Um, I said, oh, I can't have another boyfriend. And she said, well, don't. And uh, I said, yes, but I'm so old and, and I want to have children. And she said, we'll have children. So I said, what do you mean? She said, well, let's ask someone if they'll donate. I think it's better to ask a friend. Let's not you know, go down the anonymous thing. You, we don't know what, you know, let's... Uh, and I said, really, you think? 
God, really? You know, I come from a very posh English background, right? I didn't know anyone who'd done that, let alone my poor parents, my poor father. I mean, my God, he was only just getting over, over my sister's divorce, which had nearly finished him, you know. So we talked about it for a while. And then my friend, Nikki, said, well, why don't you ask your mother, see what she thinks, best to get her on side. And um, so we did talk to my mother and she was amazing, actually. And she went, yes, I think that's a good idea. Let's do it. We've got to do something. We need to change something. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. So we made a very short list <laughs> of the lucky gentleman. <laughs> Tell me everything. I love this story. <laughs> you do? I don't often tell it. I really don't often tell it. So we made a very short list. Uh, and then we decided that, um, uh, that we'd go for uh, my oldest male friend, who, who was oldest in two ways, in that I'd known him since he was 13. Uh, both my best friend and I had. He was 20 years older than us. Um, he was um, a sort of young friend of her parents, if you like, and he always used to come and be cool and take us out from school and things like that. And he was useless. He was always nearly being married, very handsome, very charismatic, always nearly being married, but then panicking and not. Always had girlfriends on the go, but never committed, you know, but was the best male friend a girl could have. So I had regular dinners with him always sobbing after the latest disaster and he would always you know soothe and say don't worry you are wonderful so you asked him if you want yes to we went out for one of our dinners yeah we went out for one of our dinners normal dinners and, and as he was sort of you know forking the whatever uh the 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 steak i think it was uh i said um so I was thinking that maybe we could have a child together. And uh, he was like, uh, right, um, <laughs> bless him. But then he said, but I thought you always said that we must never. I said, no, 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 no. We're not gonna have sex, absolutely not. It'll spoil everything. No, no, we go to one of these places, we get interviewed and, and, and then we do it that way. And he went, right. And you don't have to have anything to do with it. You can if you want, but you don't have to. And I, I'd be providing financially because he was good, but always pretty chaotic. Um, uh, and you don't even have to be guardian if you don't want to. You don't have to do anything, all right? But just think about it. So he said, you know what? I'm just going to think about it. And I said, yeah, that's, that's fine. I think that's fair enough. <laughs> I, think, I think you need to think about it. And... Um, so unfortunately, um, the people that he would have talked to most, uh, my best friend's parents had died fairly recently, very tragically. And um, uh, so he talked to some other people um, and uh, they would probably, by the way, the ones, uh, Nikki's parents probably gone, you are mad, do not do it, this is crazy. Uh, but, um, but they uh, sadly weren't around. Uh, but uh, actually he came back to me about, quite quickly a few days later and said yeah yeah you, let's at least go and have the conversation so we went to this clinic and did you know the law in England I don't think it's changed it might have um uh, means that you know if you want to go and shag in in a corridor you can do that and have a baby but if 
you want to uh, go through the IVF route, you have to be interviewed by a panel um, who, of doctors and psychiatrists and um, uh, who decide that in case you're selling their children or something, I think, right? So poor old Mike. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, fine, whatever. Uh, and uh, he's like, what? So I had to see a psychiatrist and I had to, yeah. So, and, uh, but it was good for us because it made us go through all the process, right? So we were asked all the questions, what happens if he dies? What happens if I die? Do, do the children call him daddy? What happens? What blah, 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 right? Who provides financially? Does, 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 does. And um, uh, so it was really good, actually. And we were quite nervous when we got to the point where we were... You know, they said, you know, uh, we've got to decide now. We meet and you're not there and we meet and we decide. And they met and they decided and they said, yeah, these seem like the right guys. You know, there's an age gap, and you, but, but, but they should do it. And um, so I said, look, it's all been a bit of a palaver. Uh, um, so why don't we also, while we're signing everything, why don't we sign that you agree that I can have another if I if I want to, so that we don't go through the whole process again, right? And so that's that's what we did. Anyway, we went through the whole process. It's, uh, you know, anyone who's been through it, that it, it, it's, it's a thing. I'm working the whole time at Yahoo. Luckily, no one notices anything because, as I say, everyone's about 12 and no one's ever been pregnant. So, you know, it's, it's like I'm just getting on with it. What I do remember, though, is flying back and forward to San Francisco because it was 2001 I was doing this, and I, I, I just after the crash, uh, 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 dot-com crash, and um, I'm flying back and forward to San Francisco to report because the Americans went, you know, don't phone home, just sort it out, you know, half the number of people working there, and then ring us when you actually no, ring us, come when you've done it. <laughs> Um, and um, so we, uh, I was flying back and forward uh, with my syringes, you know, and uh, uh, they... Uh, Only you can do something like that. You are amazing. Nothing, nothing ridiculous. Nothing can stop you, seriously. <laughs> I know, it was just so stupid. That, and I remember they going through the thing. Yeah, I'd forgotten this, actually. And they went, what's in you've got... I said, no, 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 this is not heroin or something. This is, it's called, I can't remember what it's called, pregnant or something, I think. And, uh, you know, it's a pen and you, and they had to get it out. And, you know, luckily I'd kept the prescription and then everybody was happy. So, um, uh, but of course I had to wake myself up in the middle of the night to do it at the right time because I was in the wrong time zone and all the rest of it. But anyway, I did it. Anyway, it, it, you know, it usually fails a couple of times and it did and, you know, it's awful. But anyway, eventually uh, we get our daughter, Annie, um, and um, uh, it was just fabulous. And Nikki was my birthing partner, actually, same Nikki. And um, we had uh, this wonderful, gorgeous girl. And then um, uh, uh, Mike sort of fell in love with Annie, actually, I have to say. Um, and... Um, we, we, he, he, was, he was brilliant and he, we kept to our sort of arrangement. I know it sounds like a bit perfect, but it really sort of was. And he came around twice a week so I could go running. You know, that was my big thing. I was very scared at first, you know, um, and sat by her cot, poking her or something. <laughs> She's alive. But yeah, he fell in love with her. 
So then Mike decided to be a father figure for Annie, right? Yes. Yes, he did. As long as it didn't, as long, no, he did. He absolutely did. As long, but, but, but we kept it and I never asked and he never, we just kept it in the way we'd agreed, right? I knew he never wanted to do it all. Do you know what I mean? I just knew he wanted to be part of her life and that's how it worked. Uh, after one year, I said, you know, this is working. Uh, you know, what do you think? And he, he, you know, he was very honest and said, uh, I don't, you know, I don't know if I can, you know, love another child. I said, oh, you know, I think everybody feels like that. Um, but you will. And anyway, it may not work, but I want to try because, because I want to try. And um, so, um, so I tried. And um, uh, I, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a shock, I have to say, but I um, uh, became pregnant with twins, uh, which when I saw it on the scan, I was like, whoa, <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and, uh, and Mike was like, wow. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, but uh, they said it was a difficult pregnancy. There were lots of reasons, you know, we don't need to go into them and maybe it wouldn't work and blah, blah, blah. So I said, well, I'll just carry on. And um, I carried on and I was at Yahoo still and I carried on and I carried on. Um, and for Virgin Media at the time or ITV? No, I was at Yahoo while I was carrying the baby. Yeah, you were at Yahoo, okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and when I was about... Um, maybe five months pregnant, uh, I went to, um, I was still doing that thing, you know, tired, but going, not wanting to say no. I went to a charity dinner, invited by a man actually, who had been, um, who was a, a sort of a date, I suppose, uh, from a friend of mine. Um, and um, anyway, so I went to this dinner and I sat next to him. And on my other side, who arrived even later than me, which is a bloody achievement, actually. This is why I fit in so well in Rome, because, you know, I never say I'm late. In fact, I'm always early in Rome. It's amazing. And um, uh, this guy, and he sat next to me. And there was just one of those things where I just thought, oh, this is, you know, this is not going to be such a difficult evening, you know. I'm not going to be looking at my watch wanting to go home. We had a really nice evening. And um, uh, I, I... you know, said I had to go early and I, uh, he said to me, oh, uh, well, you know, could I have your number because I'd really like to have lunch with you. And um, I said, uh, mm, yeah, well, uh, you could, but um, maybe you should know uh, that I'm actually five months pregnant with twins. And he went, oh my God, I'm so sorry, how dreadful, how ghastly. I mean, this is so embarrassing, you know, blah, blah, blah. I didn't even notice. I said, well, you know, I hadn't stood up. I stood up and he, he noticed. And um, I said, look, it's a long story, but the truth is there is, you know, it doesn't matter. I can still have lunch with you, really. That's not the way it is. So I'll tell you over lunch. And, um, and I left and I didn't think much more of it. But he says, there you go. This is where we go. He says, he went to his business partner who was in a drinking club somewhere and said, I have met this woman. And he said, I hope she's a 23-year-old gorgeous creature with no baggage. And uh, Charlie was separated at the time. 
And he said, no, actually, <laughs> she's, she's 40 and she's, got, uh, she's pregnant with twins and she's got a two-year-old. <laughs> he went, what? Anyway, he emailed me the next day and said, look, I'm traveling for a month, but uh, could we have lunch in a month's time? And I said, well, we could, but I'm being told that I'm going to have premature babies, so I don't know if I'm going to be around. Sure. Uh, so he sent a note that I kept forever, uh, which said, well, never mind. Just let me know nearer the time whether to book a table for two or for four. <laughs> I thought that was very sweet. Anyway, long story short, after the twins were born, I did go to Virgin Radio. I was there for a while. Um, Charlie got in, he was called Charlie, he got in touch with me and um, we started to go for drinks and things like that. And honestly, after about the third time of seeing him, he, he said to me, look, um, a friend of mine says you shouldn't swerve around things, you know, you should just go for it. And this is how I feel. And I'm like, ah, but I'm just, you know, what? And also I'm useless at relationships. And um, he said, well, maybe you're not so useless. And I said, maybe I'm not. And do you know what? Honestly, Paula, um, my mother was right because she said, it's very annoying when my mother is right. But uh, my mother was right because I think she saw that what I needed was something to stabilize me, to um, not just work, but to, to uh, stop me becoming so obsessive in these relationships, right? You know, I was one of those ones who would hang on to their ankles, <laughs> just... You know, and I'm supposed to be a strong businesswoman. What was I doing, you know? And, um, but once I'd had Annie and then obviously the twins, you're so focused, aren't you? You can't, I know, and I'm working. Motherhood changed you, absolutely. Yes, motherhood yes. But if I'd been a mother when I was like 23, I think it would have been different, actually. I think I, you know, I'd have probably not worked because it would have been too difficult or I would have, you know, he would not have liked it. And ironically, Charlie loves it. He fell in love, love with me being who I was, right? And he, he had two grown-up children. Um, you know, he'd done that. He'd had children he was like 22, twins as well, funny enough. And um, uh, so, you know, he, he'd done it that way. And his wife had never worked, you know, uh, she'd worked before, but she'd stopped working, she had the babies. and you know, this is this. And maybe I, I would have, you know, I don't know. Um, but anyway, he fell in love with what I was then. And, um, and he has delighted always in, in uh, what I've done. And actually, what's been great is that Mike um, uh, really was delighted, genuinely. <laughs> I think, you know, he suddenly thought, oh my God, I'm going to be left with three children you know, when there was a problem in the hospital. Uh, and so when I produced Charlie a while later, he was like, wow. But I mean, it was only six months later. So I mean, it was kind of strange. Yeah. Um, but yeah, six months later, you know, Charlie's moved in. He, you know, he's got my cleaner ironing his shirts. How better could it be? Wonderful. Through, I didn't know your love story with Charlie was so sweet and so unusual because in fact, one of the problems we have when we have children and we are divorced or single mothers is that we lose hope. We think, uh, oh my yeah. God, I will never find the love of my life. I will be alone forever. So you actually found the love of your life. And you also found someone who is letting you be free because that's the most important thing. 
he loves the fool who is independent. Uh, at yes. least crazy in a good way. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's wonderful. It's a wonderful story. And after how many months did you get married with Charlie? Well, he moved in after six months. And the funny thing was that um, I thought he didn't have a beam. You know, I, I don't know why I thought that, but you know, I, I had made some money now out of Yahoo and a bit here and there. And I was living nicely, not, you know, but nicely. And um, I uh, uh, thought he was, you know, my friends, my close friends, Nikki, again, thought he was, you know, gold digging. Anyway, uh, uh, eventually, and of course I didn't understand the industry he was in, he was in the hedge fund world and I had no idea about that, you know, it was boring. You know, I once worked for a man who said to me, I don't count revenue, I create it. <laughs> and I've loved that the whole of my life, right? So if I'm sitting in meetings where I'm counting revenue, I'm like, I don't want to sit here. <laughs> and um, so anyway, uh, uh, and so he, he, what he did, I didn't understand. And he'd also been an entrepreneur. He'd set up his own business and, you know, done a really great thing. And um, he was the first in to a, a world of hedge funds in um, Barclay Square. And he, um, yeah, so he'd made a bit of money. Uh, but of course, that was the other great thing, and maybe that's what he liked too, was that I didn't care. And I still don't care. You know, I do my thing and he does his thing and, you know, we, we share or not share, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so he'd already achieved, I'd already achieved, maybe that makes a difference. Absolutely. I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm sure about that. That's why it is good for women to be independent uh, financially. It's so good. Oh. I always say that and much better and in your book you say that and I quote that all the time you know to my friends who then of course I hate to say sometimes <laughs> satisfyingly start to get divorced <laughs> just when I'm finding the great love of my life that everyone starts to get divorced right and um, <laughs> um but you know then I realized how completely useless they've become completely uh They've got no confidence at all. I know. I mean, they couldn't even go into a lawyer's office. You Great. know, I was yeah, stunned. Because you, if you don't work for many, many years, uh, you, you become like the shadow of your husband. And if suddenly you lose your husband, you are no one socially. So it's really good for a woman to keep her independence and uh, keep doing something. If it's a job, part-time or full-time following your career, or if it's a charity, but definitely you need to be uh, always uh, focused on something to do every day. Because also children, they grow up. I always tell this. Yes. You know, children grow up and they hate you for a while. Yeah, and then what you do? I have two grown-up children, you know. If I, I did a job, uh, what would I do? I would sit at home all day. Because when they're teenagers and uh, in their 20s, uh, they actually don't want to stay with you so long. No. They have their friends, of course, you know, it's normal. So yeah, this is what women, they never thought about that. And also society, it, it tries to focus on mothers as we are forever mothers of babies. You know, this is the image, but they're not babies forever, you know? And now that we, we live up till we are eight years old, 100 maybe, you know, in the future, I mean, 
God knows, you know, what we should do when our children are grown up. So Yes, yeah. exactly. Because if our daughters aren't meant to be working either, we're not even meant to be looking after the children. <laughs> I mean, maybe we're just all meant to, maybe it all went wrong somewhere. We're all meant to die you know <laughs> and then it wouldn't matter but it's no but it's so true it's so true and actually some of the women that i have witnessed in their late 40s early 50s uh, just at the moment where they want their children to go thank you for doing all of these things that you did for me uh you know and gave up for me and everything else they hate you right and they go why aren't you more like that mother you can get me an interview with this job or that job or something. Yeah. And I think, God, you ungrateful little shysters. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, you know, or you get, you know, I sometimes get that from my children. You were never there when I was, you know, seven. And I'm like, well, no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and so what? <laughs> we can't do everything at the same no. time. No! say that. I mean, we can try to do our best. But uh, it's also about quality time, you know? Uh, yeah. It doesn't mean that if you are there every day for them, you have a good quality time. Unfortunately, this wasn't the case for me, you know? I, I wished my mother, you know, uh, was working more sometimes because, yes. you know? Oh, I agree. Nervous. Uh, yeah, no, of course. So it's, uh, it, it really doesn't mean anything, you know, being there all the time, if then you are not satisfied of your life, if you're not happy. So if a mother is frustrated and she's unhappy, she has an unhappy marriage and she, she stays in that marriage only because of uh, the social status or the financial status, this is not a happy existence. And this is not definitely a happy childhood for the children involved. So there is a lot of misconception around motherhood. And I think there is. I think there is. 100%. So I'm happy to talk with uh, empowered women and free women like you. Uh, like me, you know, in order to, to talk freely and, and tell, speak the truth about motherhood. So Yes. Uh, uh, and actually, that it is still bloody difficult it to is. do it all. It is. And yeah. when people say to me, oh, you know, life, work-life balance, I go, oh, for God's sake. You know, look at me. I ended up on the floor of the boardroom. <laughs> I mean, what do you think? I got work-life balance, right? Are you kidding me? No, you know, it, you do have to make compromises. You do have to make choices. Everybody does. Men too, they just don't realize they're making them, right? Uh, but but, but for them it's easier. For them it's easier, Fru, because maybe. society doesn't expect them, if they have a career, society doesn't expect them to be at home, to do the school runs, to, you know, to do the homework with the kids, to prepare something to eat, you know? So they have less expectations. Women, we have many more expectations, you know. It's true, actually. It's true, and 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 I, you, you find it so. Um, uh, I remember ITV. We used to have this Monday morning meeting, uh, uh, and uh, I was the woman, and it was an early one. You know, I don't know what time, eight o'clock or quarter to eight even. And uh, I'd always, I'm always late, <laughs> and I would switch in. You know, and I would say, oh, I've had the most terrible weekend. You know, this child's been sick and this has happened and this other. And the men would look at me like, what are you bringing the family into this meeting for? Right. And I'd be like, well, did you, how are your children? How are your wives? Right. And, uh, you know, it's, 
it's very difficult. And, uh, you know, I say to women all the time, look, you will make compromises. It will be difficult. You will cry in the loo. You will uh, wish that you've done something different all the time. But the most important thing is that you do what makes you happy. And then your child will be happy. Okay. Yeah. And then actually, so will your husband. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if he's not happy, then he can. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's right. I think that's I right. I agree with you 100%. But uh, let, let me understand when you were at ITV, you felt mm. the pressure of working so much. So you were working so hard because you felt you had to. Now, I suppose, what was it, what was it, what was it that finished me? I mean, obviously, I'm getting older. Um, it was, ITV is a very big um, monster in uh, British business, right? Uh, it's one of the most famous companies in British business. Um, it is oddly very male dominated, <laughs> uh, which you wouldn't imagine. I had very good uh, colleagues. I created a brilliant uh, team, one of the best. I love creating teams, and this is one of the best there. So all of that went well. I just think that the pressure of somewhere there, and uh, perhaps I was sometimes more interesting because I was a woman and, uh, you know, floaty scarves everywhere and so on. And because I made so many changes, I did quite a big thing there and I didn't realise I the stress of it probably at the time. But when I got in there, I knew from what I'd heard that there were about seven or eight guys who were bullies who ran what was called the sort of big advertising department. They sold minutage. Yeah. And it had grown up as a big male-dominated culture. And they used to have baseball bats outside their offices. I mean, I kid you not. And uh, they would come out of their offices and smash the baseball bats down onto some poor sod's desk. You know, a bit like we're in Italy. And I... Oh, you know, I never heard this. <laughs> did you not? Did you not? And in fact, in one sales conference, they, they used the scene out of The Untouchables where, um, what's his name, plays Al Capone, Robert De Niro, actually bashes the guy's head open at the table uh, with a baseball bat. And anyway, I knew these guys had been there for years and they were very good at making, managing the inventory and it's very complicated model uh, TV when you've got that many uh, local stations. So everyone was scared of it and, I, uh, and everyone was fond of telling me that no one who ran television companies in the UK understood this part of how it made money, right? Because these guys did it. And uh, so anyway, I arrived, yeah. sat there for a bit and uh, watched them and went, this is so obvious. They've just got to go, all of them, right? Otherwise, we'll never do anything. And it can't just be the top three. It's got to be the ones below as well, right? And they've just got to go, right? The only problem is I don't know what they do or how they do it. So I'm going to have to get them out of 
the car before I learn to drive it because I can't give them any hints that I'm going to do it. And, um, uh, and lots of people before me had come in and probably thought the same thing and then realized it was too difficult. But anyway, I went to my boss, who was brilliant, and I said, this is what I want to do. And he said, all right, just do it. So I said, there'll be a lot of stuff, bad things written about me. And um, I'm going to do it, though. But I, I, want, I want to do it quickly. I want to do it tomorrow. He said, wait. He was right. Wait a month or six weeks. So it looks like you've done some science through. And uh, even though I believe you. Uh, so I did. I waited. And then I did it. The only problem was, I, uh, when, I, when I decided to do it, I could never catch them in the office. They were always on the golf course. <laughs> and so I did. Anyway, long story short, I did it. I got rid of them all. It was horrible. And I can laugh about it now, but it was horrible. And I had lots of horrible things written about me in the press. I didn't know what I was doing. I was useless. I was this, I was that, and so on and so forth. Um, and then I brought in these wonderful people who uh, recreated a whole new culture, no baseball bats, you know, and uh, we started to sell television in a different way, okay? And, uh, but, you know, there were nasty moments. There were lots of nasty moments where I thought, gosh, this is a tough gig. And uh, I remember stopping outside the pub after one of these days of hell and in a taxi, and um, I never went to that pub because, because, and uh, uh, the lights changed and the taxi driver had to stop right outside the pub. And uh, one of the guys who'd been drinking there since lunchtime, and quite understandably hated me, um, came up to the window of the cab and started banging on the window of the cab. And the cab driver was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I can't move because there's a red light. And then to my complete horror, and it makes you feel, it made me think like a politician must feel like with an egg or something. He threw his pint of beer over the window, right? And so it splashed into the window at me. And uh, I know. And, uh, and then the cab driver was like, do you want me to get out? Do you want me to get out? I said, no, look, the lights will change. I'm going to close my eyes and we're going to go. And tomorrow he's going to apologize. And uh, off we went. And the next day, the HR director went to see him and said, we will not give you these things. You will apologize to Fru for what you did. And he did. But those kinds of events in that kind of company, and bearing in mind but this uh, is everything very written about, written about, written about, written about, written about, all the time, all the time, all the time. Everything I did, everything I you know, said, uh, did, wore, you know, every item of clothing, every everything uh, was written about. Yeah. When I joined the company, I got 762 emails <laughs> telling me what I should do to fix it. <laughs> right? So that probably was in the end, building up, building up, building up. And because I made the changes, instead of coming in and going, oh, all right, we'll just carry on and, you know, I'll just be the next person in. Because I actually went, ah, no, we have to do this differently. Um, are a complete game changer. <laughs> you yeah, well, to ITV and to change the, the culture that was there, you know, this bullying. We did change the culture there. It was bullying and we changed it. Well done. And, uh, and my team changed it. You know, the ones I brought in, wonderful people. You know, some of the men, brilliant men, 
And uh, uh, so we all changed it, actually. Uh, uh, but it was, but but yes, I made the initial decision to do it, and uh, it, and took the and, and and always take the the meeting. You know, I know lots of people that I've worked with who, when they make people redundant, they get other people to do it. HR. I think the day that you make HR do that meeting, that's the day you should stop running companies. And I always take the meeting, and it always makes me cry, even though they don't know that. Okay, and uh, because it's always horrible. Yeah. Uh, so you know, so maybe, so maybe now I come back to think about it. Those years were particularly grueling. <laughs> wow, <laughs> what a story! Thank you for sharing with us. But it, it's very important to, to know, you know, all the things you went through. But then you you, you didn't stop. You didn't stop. But now, if you if you could give uh, an advice to young girls in order for them to have a career uh, in one of the communication or big media companies? What would you tell them? I would tell them that they should absolutely go for it. Uh, but I would also tell them that I hope that I have paved the way a bit. Maybe I should talk more about it to be able to admit that you can't do it all right and to be able to say actually do you know what um uh juggling it all is very hard and uh i need to just take some rest here and that that's not frowned on that's part of doing the job yeah uh i would tell them that uh, not to give up when it is tough um, in those early years when you have children. I would always tell them not to give up. And, uh, but I would tell them to listen to their bodies. And if their bodies feel tired, then take the break. And don't think that men won't take the break because they do take the breaks right with no guilt whatsoever right so you know the more i guess it's true the more i can show that it's not a good idea to try to act as though you're invincible because no one is uh then and and also you shouldn't have to be invincible to be a woman who succeeds i think that would be a very important message Absolutely. Well said, because this is the real equal opportunities, you know, moment when also mediocre women could, uh, you know, have access to the top positions that we don't need to be Wonder Woman all the no. time. You know? We don't no. have to, because we don't have Superman running. No, we don't have Superman, no. running we don't have Superman running, you know, big corporations. They're normal men, you know, one can be smarter than the other, but they are just, you know, normal men. So they're normal men. They're just sitting around in the same bloody suits, you know, <laughs> sitting around the same bloody tables, you know, talking about the same safe things. So yeah. no, of course we don't have to compete. So it's women, ridiculous. Women can do it. Women can do it. Yeah. There you are, you see. That's my, uh, that's my uh, thing that I always have. Can you read that? Yeah, I can. I will watch me. 
Right. <laughs> that's what you have to do. And uh, because that's, you know, otherwise, otherwise, you know, uh, you get drawn into this whole thing of it's too hard, it's too difficult, I won't get enough time off, I'll get too tired, blah, blah, blah. Also, perfection doesn't exist. If it's no. perfect all the time and we wait to be perfect, we will never succeed. We just have that, to go for that's it. it. That's it. And actually, in truth, although I still cringe when I think of myself passing out on the boardroom floor, if I hadn't, Right, in the same way as if I hadn't been sobbing over the latest stupid man that I'd been with, then I wouldn't have had Annie. If I hadn't passed out on the boardroom floor of ITV, I'd probably still be there and wouldn't be in the world's most beautiful city, having done what everyone told me not to do, uh, which is to uh, you know try and do a company in <laughs> Italy, which is bloody hard, but I'm doing it, right? <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's incredibly hard, um, but I, uh, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have changed my life. And I, you know, I wouldn't have got now one of my children, uh, a, a bilingual Italian boy. So, you know, it, here's the thing, you know, and I wouldn't have tried to learn another language and I wouldn't have met all the people I've met and I wouldn't have met you and I wouldn't have done all of these wonderful things. And also I wouldn't have ended up in a country whereby, Oh my God, it's in my soul. This place is in my soul. I don't know why. And maybe I'm here to change it here. I'm sure, 100%. But listen, now it's time of the final five questions, even though I would like to interview you another time and we will talk course, only about Rome and Italy and our love for that country, okay? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Okay, this is the time of the final five for Rome. Which yes. is a thing that people will never guess about you just by looking at you. Oh, just by looking at me, they'd never guess because I'm so smiley and pink and wonderful and all of those things. But I cry all the time. All the time. <laughs> and in, in fact, no, you wouldn't. And in fact, I'm now in the perfect country for it because all Italians cry all the time. And uh, so it suits me brilliantly. And in fact, a lot of Italians have said to me, because I, I even cry at the Italian national anthem, which is hard because it goes on for about four days, doesn't it? And uh, they say that that now proves that I test positive for being <laughs> Italian. Um, but yeah, my, all my, the, the, the wonderful um, PAs that I've had through the years, I've only had two actually really uh, amazing PAs. Uh, one in particular, um, Alex, always, whenever she saw me go off to the loo, would rush with the makeup bag because she knew that I was going to cry. <laughs> and so I'd have to <laughs> quickly repair because, you know, best not to cry at the boardroom table. Sure. But, uh, you know, <laughs> but, but when the bastards have gone, you know, I zip into the loo and go, <laughs> So yeah, I cry at least once a day about something. You're amazing. If you were a superhero, what would be your superpower? Oh, for God's sake. Honestly, I spent my whole life watching superheroes because my kids are obsessed with them and I hate them all. Um, but I did get persuaded because I, I did get persuaded to watch uh, Wonder Woman, the film of today. 
not the Wonder Woman that I remember of the 70s who used to spin round and wear that horrible outfit, but the Wonder Woman of, of that movie. And I thought, you know, bloody hell, she's an Amazon. Of course she is. She's Diana. She's the daughter of Zeus. That's who I'd have to be. I and I don't even know what her powers are, okay? She just seems to be able to kill everyone who she wants to kill. But she's the daughter of Zeus and that's it, isn't it? So, uh, so I want to be her. It's fantastic. And you know my surname is Diana, by the way. <laughs> I know. That's exactly another helpful thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, her name is quite unpronounceable. But yes, I want to be like her. What is your spirit animal? Which you know, I haven't really got one, but then when I said it to the kids, uh, they all went, you're that pink bird. I went, <laughs> what? The flamingo. And they went, yeah, you're the flamingo. Anyway, I looked up the flamingo and I thought, God, I am the bloody flamingo. Do you know what? Flamingos, meaning flame colored, of course. So they have all sorts of weird things. So they, no one, they stand on one leg, but no one really knows why. <laughs> and I kind of love that, right? It's true. And, uh, but they're very, very sociable. They love each other and they all stay together. They have very strong bonds. They marry, you know, they don't marry each other, but you know what I mean? They stay together as pairs. And the ancient Romans, where I live now, I don't like this bit. They, they thought that if they ate uh, the delicacy was eating um, flamingos' tongues. Don't like that. But they did believe that their, uh, their, their meat cured tuberculosis. Get that. And uh, a lot of flamingos live for a very long time. And there's one still living at the age of 87. Wow. In so I think that is my, I am that bird. And I describe myself as a mad bird all the time. So it really works. So thank you for making me think about that because I kind of like it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> what have you learned from your past relationship? With, with Charlie? Oh my God, that it is never too late to meet the man who gets you, never. I have so many friends who go, you know, okay, so the ones who've gone past 40 now go, oh dear. <laughs> but I have so many friends who are in their 30s who are going, you know, I see, look at Fru, she didn't meet Charlie so she was 40, you know. But I have friends who've met the men that they should have met years ago at 50, 60, 70. So it is never too late to be with the man you should have been with. And you know what? It also doesn't matter if you never do, because as long as you're happy with yourself, then it's fine. I love and, that. Yes, and actually, one last thing, and actually, because you can cut the rest, and actually, one last thing, I wouldn't have been able to have the relationship that I had with Charlie if I hadn't gotten myself sorted, and I hadn't found the strength to do something that I really wanted to do for myself, to break the mold and to not be the posh English girl who waited to be married before she had children and did something outrageous. I would never have attracted someone like Charlie. Sure. So they... Yeah. And the last question, what is the meaning of life? Oh yeah, for, for God's sake. <laughs> 
who knows? But I'll tell you what it is for me. I'll tell you what it is for me. Oh, it's always inspiration. Inspiration keeps me going the whole time. And inspiration is like people like you who inspire me because you do this, all right? People like, you know, uh, oh, I once went to a, a speech when I was sobbing again over some dreadful man. Uh, a, guy, a wonderful man called Peter Mead, who became one of my mentors. He founded an ad agency called Abbott Mead Vickers, and he's brilliant. And he wrote a book called Be Nice. And his speech was about, you can be, run businesses and be important and still be nice, okay? And I always think, I, I always think that. And, that. and that kind of, that kind of in, inspiration just keeps me going. And then, you know, I, I, I wrote about it recently because I, because I think about it all the time at the moment. Um, uh, inspiration means you get in the ring because you're inspired by somebody to get in that bloody ring and do something to change something right even if it's just yourself and um uh my father always had that quote that he that he always denied was from roosevelt on his desk uh, which is at the start it is not the critic who counts right uh uh and uh it's all about the man in the ring and blah 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 and uh, and he he always swore that roosevelt nicked it off a gravestone in pennsylvania but who cares anyway I read, uh, whenever I read that quote, it makes me cry, but it reminds me yet again, am I, have I put myself back in the ring again? Because if I haven't, and I'm just sitting on the sidelines and I'm just talking bollocks, right? Then, then I'm not living, right? And I'm certainly not inspiring anybody else. Your book inspired me so much. Uh, and all of these things inspire me to get in the ring. Uh, the first woman who ever inspired me, I forgot to mention it to you because you'd love it, is Anne Rand, who uh, wrote The Fountainhead and crawled out of Russia, uh, out of com communism through the snow. And one of her phrases was, uh, it's not about who's going to let me, it's about who's going to stop me. <laughs> and I loved that. Really and I, I've kept it stuck on my wall always. And uh, I studied her at university and I loved her. Um, so, um, uh, so there we go. So yes, and then I make everybody pick a card and they have them for the week and they stick them on their wall and that's how they feel. And then we change it the next week. So there are four, one, two, three, four, you choose. The third. <laughs> there you go. Change your thoughts and you change the world. <laughs> Isn't it perfect? It's perfect. It's perfect, you see? And I have hundreds of them, hundreds of them all the time. And sometimes I have them just on, because I have this little pink car as well. And sometimes they're just written on the back of the little pink car just to make everyone remember. Yeah. In fact, tell us briefly, what do you do with La Piazza Group in Italy right now? God knows, but you know what? We have three clients who still pay us and it's fantastic and uh the 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 idea was just new forms of marketing for new uh new italian businesses new maidenity businesses you know who needs the old infrastructure of you know huge organizations to do your marketing and blah 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 um and um uh, i've built up a network of i don't 
I don't pay them uh, unless they do a job. I'm not an agent, but I've built up a network of sort of over 80 influencers, Italian influencers. Some of them, some of them not Italian, actually. And um, uh, I got one of them to work permanently for me to make sure I wasn't making a complete mistake. And, um, and, we, and the, um, for the companies, we, we say, right, okay, not only will we use the influencers to actually promote the message, but they will actually help construct the message. And uh, it's really been working and it's lovely. And I, I've met so many wonderful, young, interesting people who, who don't do all the things that I did. I, I, I don't know, you know, I, I thought that I was so clever. <laughs> no, because I worked in traditional media and everything. But I didn't know anything. And now I have learned so much. I've learned more in the last year than I've learned for 20 years, I'd say. It, it's been fantastic. We don't have to stop learning, you know. We have to keep learning. That, that's that's it. Of life. I've loved that. I've loved that. And, I, and, and through this time, through this awful time, which we haven't mentioned, because the, what's kept it from being awful is that I've got these, the, the, there are seven of us, and uh, five of them are sort of in their 20s. And uh, we Zoom all the time, and uh, we do the work. And, and you know, they're, they're living, three of them are in Milan, two of them in Rome. One of them had a baby, his first baby on her own in hospital without her husband because her husband wasn't allowed to go in, you know. Um, and, um, and we've kept each other all going. And some days people have had it really hard, particularly in Milan and everything. But we've kept ourselves going all the time. And, uh, you know, and the clients kept going too because we've kept them going. And I actually believe that we will, this will have made us much stronger. We won't be like these huge companies that now have to go back in and think what to do with all the buildings and all the blah, 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 blah. We just carry on, but even better. And uh, it's been really, it's been really great. And then if we really get bored, I just put flowers in my hair because occasionally I still, <laughs> I still have to do, I'm still on the board of some British companies. And when I get really bored and I'm doing Zoom, Oh, you sit on floor, right? <laughs> I just put different flowers in just to keep myself going mad. But uh, but honestly, I swear to God, we're changing it here, uh, and we I think there'll be lots of new businesses that we will work with, Italian businesses that will come out of it, uh, and it will be fantastic, and they'll all be wearing pink. I'm sure about that, 100, because I know you. <laughs> But thank you, Fru, for sharing your story. You are a true force of nature. And I oh. really admire you. And, it, oh, and for me, honestly, it, it, it's meant to be. Uh, it's destiny that we met. And I really have enjoyed, I really have enjoyed this chat. Thank you for watching Unleash the Game Changers. I hope you loved as much as I love her. She's incredible, unstoppable, highly inspiring. Please share with your friends. Leave a comment. Let me know who do you think I would interview next time. And don't forget to subscribe. Bye.